Welcome to Sunday Afternoon Mama, a podcast designed to help you learn to create a calm and joyful atmosphere in your home. I'm your host, Hannah Riddle, a wife, mom, and former teacher living in the Pacific Northwest. I certainly don't have everything figured out, but I hope to encourage and inspire you to be the best mama you can be. Are you ready to jump in? In this episode, we'll make a case for knowing your neighbors, explore ways to make your home more inviting, and you'll hear why I think you should temporarily boycott Pinterest before having a family over to your house. Trust me, this is episode 48. Here we go. Well, thank you listeners for tuning in this week. I want to take a moment and just say thank you for the ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. And I want to keep encouraging you to go ahead and keep those coming because the more we have, the more it lets other listeners know, potential listeners know, hey, this is a great podcast. I really enjoy it. Here's what I like about it. So it only takes a few moments to do that. You basically just search in podcasts. You search for Sunday Afternoon Mama and then tap on the logo once it pops up and then you scroll down until you see ratings and reviews. And then you can tap the number of stars you want to rate it. And then if you have one or two minutes, you could just leave a short review and that would be extremely helpful to me. So thank you. All right, so we're just going to dive right into this week's topic. You know, I was thinking about neighbors and hospitality and all of these things, and I thought, you know, when I think of my childhood, one of those shows that I loved that depicted this quite well was Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, right? I mean, a lot of us, if you're an 80s baby, you know this show super well. And it's it's funny, when you're older, you kind of look at it through a different lens. And I was thinking about the lyrics of their opening theme song, right? It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor, won't you be mine? And then he goes on to sing, you know, I've always wanted to have a neighbor just like you. I've always wanted to live in the neighborhood with you. So let's make the most of this beautiful day. Since we're together, we might as well say, would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? I feel like we all kind of deep down inside want someone to know our name and We all want to feel like we are part of a neighborhood and a family, right? But as I've pondered what it means to be a Sunday afternoon mama, being hospitable and opening my home is one of those kind of core things that I want to always get better at. And it's kind of a hallmark, I think, of of understanding what it means to keep that white space and slow down and be not so busy that you can't have someone over. Now, I have noticed that we, and I mean everyone, like we we don't always know our neighbors these days. And I've really wondered about this. And I've just thought like, why don't we, I wonder why people don't open our homes as freely as maybe several decades ago. So why don't we know our neighbors? Have you ever wondered this? It's kind of alarming once you start to think about it. So here's what the research says. And let me quickly insert here that I was really happy to find out that I wasn't overreacting or over-dramatizing this problem like as I looked deeper into it. So I'm just going to quote some articles and give all the show notes with all the links to these articles that you can read more in depth about this whole topic of neighbors and hospitality. But so one of the articles from McLean's, which is a magazine online, said, can you name your neighbors? More than half of Americans say they can't. And we're not alone. Between the internet, the overscheduling of kids, and parents who spend longer hours at work, suburban neighborhoods have undergone a dramatic shift in recent years to the point that a third of Britons said they couldn't pick out their near neighbors out of a police lineup. Okay, what in the world? (laughs) He went on to say, this author, Brian Bethune, the evolving modern definition of a good neighbor is no longer someone who is part of your life, someone you chat with over the fence, a reliable shoulder in good times and bad, but someone who doesn't bother you, either in your enjoyment of your home or by threatening its property value. Okay, so 
I read that and I thought, yeah, you know, there's there's definitely exceptions to this rule, I'm sure. Like in my neighborhood, where I'm happy to report that I know every neighbor that lives in our cul-de-sac and I know them pretty well. As I've been intentional about sitting on the front porch as often as I can, the waving and smiling to my neighbors has helped foster great connections and even friendships that I am very grateful for. When any of us are going on trips, the others group text or tell each other somehow and we we all look out for each other. And it is a good feeling, like the song says from Mr. Rogers. It's a good feeling to know that your neighbors are there for you and watching out for you when you're gone. Developmental psychologists like one I read about, Susan Pinker, argue that humans need face-to-face contact as they need air and water. Other incredible health benefits from maintaining face-to-face relationships with neighbors include things like this. Are you ready? Connecting like this fortifies your immune system, calibrates hormones, and increases chances of surviving heart attacks, strokes, AIDS, and cancer. People with the most integrated social lives, overlapping relationships among friends, family, sports, and other recreational or religious pursuits have the best prognoses with the most life-threatening diseases. It's true even with dementia, they say, and this is all direct quote (laughs) that I will link in the show notes. A 2004 Swedish study found its lowest prevalence among those with the most extensive social networks. Oh, that's so encouraging. So, but what stops us? Why don't we know our neighbors? Here are what I think are the most common causes. There's seven of them. The first one is fear, and then busyness and exhaustion, privacy and personality type, differences, the Pinterest culture, I've called it, (laughs) selfishness, yep, I said it, and the internet. So let's tackle these reasons briefly. So when you think about it, let's look at number one, which was fear. I think in our day-to-day In the age we live in, there are just more concerns about crime. There's all these sensationalized news stories which are at our fingertips, either on our phones or they're constantly being updated just online. Even if you just get on a website like on your computer or a a tablet or whatever, there's just a lot going on and they never put the happy encouraging, uplifting news usually first, right? It's these things that are sad or scary. So that kind of fosters this distrust. And I feel like it also exaggerates our fears about maybe things like terrorism or kidnapping or whatever it could be. So fun fact, um, I think that the show Blue Bloods is actually kind of getting to me a little bit. (laughs) I had a dream recently that someone tried to blow up both of our cars. I'm not even joking. (laughs) Don't laugh at me. And was out to get us for something they didn't like about us, which is ridiculous, I know, but too much crime TV does impact me a little bit like that. What can I say? (laughs) I've always been like that. I can't believe this, but when I was single, I would watch that ID channel. I was like living alone. What was I thinking, right? And it didn't really do me much good instead of, you know, being like, oh, I'm just more aware now that I need to be careful or this or that. No, it just fostered a lot more fear and suspicion in my mind about others. There was one time I even imagined this pretty intense story about one of my neighbors. Now, I laugh about it now, but one night when it appeared that this torn kind of creepy looking piece of tarp over his garage door window was like blowing in the wind, I was like imagining all these scary things (laughs) inside of his garage. Not substantiated by any means, but you know what I'm saying? So we've got all these fears. We've got things we see in the news or things we see on TV that start getting us thinking. And it's, you know, I don't know. It's normal to have some fear, but when it's too much and it translates into like, I don't want to get to know my neighbors, then that's kind of, you know, that's kind of something to be 
aware of. Another study that was cited in the McLean's article said that over a long period of time, like 1974 to 2008, the percentage of people who spent an evening socializing with their neighbors dropped from like 44% to 31%. So it is true. It's not like my imagination or whatever. It's like, yes, we are definitely spending less time socializing with our neighbors. So that's the first one is fear. The next one was busyness. And I think this is so classic, just overscheduled families. So after work and after school, it's like crammed with things like practice and sports and homework and outside commitments. And so when we come home, we like collapse in a heap. We're like, we're exhausted. And we're certainly not excited to think of having someone over because it'd be like too much work, right? Or just we think we're getting enough social time because hey, football practice involves other kids and saying hi to other parents and all that. But yes, that's very true. So don't get me wrong. I think that's amazing to build relationships that way. But I'm talking about balance because I think the truth is we are missing out on those neighborly relationships and acquaintances like right around us if we have overbooked our weeks so much that we don't even have the energy to get to know our neighbors a little bit. Another thing that the McLean's article was talking about was that children's lives, like another contributing factor, is that children's lives are more transformed by our society's kind of trend toward busyness than adults. Driven equally by fears for their safety and the participation of both parents in the workforce, we schedule and supervise kids within an inch of their lives. And that's a direct quote. There can be a better way. I firmly believe this. There can be a healthy balance between work and play and fun and family and neighbors. But it means that we have to keep carving out white space in our calendars so that we have room to breathe and we aren't so exhausted that the thought of having a neighbor over or at least stopping to chat while you're both picking up your mail at the mailbox, right? There has to be room for that. There's an older gentleman that lives near us and he'll be out just, he's retired of course, and he's just kind of doing his thing. He'll be like out washing his truck and, and my husband will always take the time, especially on the weekends, to be like, hello, how's it going? And they chat and he's so happy to be able to chat. He's a vet and so he's just got amazing stories and history and life experience and I just love that. But we have to make sure we don't cram our weekends so full of things that we aren't you know, so busy and so tired that we can't stop and talk to this man because he's awesome. He's super, he's a super great person. Okay, here's another reason we may not get to know our neighbors. Privacy and personality, personality type. I love this thought from Myquillen Smith, who is known as the nester on her social media and her blog and everything. And she wrote one of my favorite books that has to do with, um, that it's called like the nesting place. And it's like, it doesn't have to be perfect to be beautiful. So she does a lot with home decor and has a lot of great advice and perspective. So she says this about personality and then the thought of having people over. She says, I'm a major introvert. I'm not shy. I don't hate people, usually. <laughs> I would just rather be alone and people, any kind, drain my energy. So an hour before I have any type of people activity, I start hating myself for saying yes and wishing a disaster would happen so I would have a good excuse to not have to go. Every time I'm with people, it starts with me sweating and wishing I wasn't there, <laughs> wishing I could just turn into a cat and lay on the floor. And most times end with me being really happy I pushed through because people can be the worst, but they can also be the very best. <laughs> so us introverts, like I'm an introvert, you know, but we don't get a free pass here. You know, we may not have quite the overbooked social calendar, let's say, as maybe an extrovert, but we shouldn't let ourselves become hermits either. One of the most powerful and basic commands of the Christian faith is to love your neighbor as yourself. Gulp, you know, and this means, yes, your literal neighbor. You may not be best friends. You don't have to be best friends, but surely we can all smile. We can offer a pleasant hello. 
to start. I think for me as an introvert, it would be easy to be like more guarded and standoffish, almost even suspicious with my neighbors, but I just have to intentionally choose not to, right? So we had this party over the summer that I was so proud of. <laughs> I may have mentioned it before, but we got together everybody in our neighborhood, in our cul-de-sac. So we invited everyone with these nice little invitations. We just went door to door and passed them out and said hello and invited people personally. And we had like 30 people come. It was incredible. And people stayed late. They were having so much fun. We basically just did ice cream and lemonade and then said, bring a dessert to share if you like. And everybody brought delicious desserts. Like people baked cookies. They brought all these fun treats. And you know what's crazy is that some people had never met each other in like eight years of living in the same cul-de-sac. And so our neighborhood party got them together. <laughs> and I was like so happy about that. And again, it wouldn't have happened had we not stepped out of our comfort zone, taken that little bit of a, you know, bold step and just done it. But you know what? It was one of the highlights of my entire summer. And I'm so happy that we did it. And I want to do it again around Christmas time. So that's just the type of thing that we have to like, oh, okay, maybe you're an introvert like me. Maybe it's hard for you. Maybe it drains you like my Quillen is saying. But once you do it, it's always the best. It's always so good. Okay, here's another reason we may not know our neighbors. Differences. And this is just a simple one, but it's kind of human nature to be like, oh, I don't know, we're different, I think differently, dress differently, whatever. So from politics to religion to interests to hobbies to annoyances, like your dog pooped in my yard, you don't take care of your home as nicely as I would like, you park 10 cars outside, you're loud, you're obnoxious, you ran your leaf blower at 7.30 a.m. on a Saturday, right? <laughs> if, if our neighbors have done any of these things, that's like, oh, we can get easily bothered by those who are different than us right? Even in our age of like, oh, be tolerant, accept everyone just as they are. We really don't do a great job of this. I feel like, especially with our neighbors. Okay. Here's another possible reason we don't know our neighbors as well. The Pinterest culture. Now, simply put, we see curated images of perfection all the time. And it gets exhausting to think of even planning a simple get together because we think it has to look a certain way or be incredible, over the top, amazing, or it doesn't count. That's so sad because it's not true. Often the simplest, most natural, even spontaneous interactions in our homes with our neighbors and friends are the best. Honestly, I never used to stress much about planning my kids' birthday parties until I really dove deep into Pinterest one time for, quote, for inspiration. Wow, it didn't really help. In fact, it just kind of dragged me down and <laughs> made me feel sad. So now when those events come up, I steer clear of social media. I temporarily boycott, you know, temporarily boycott so that I can let my own creative juices flow and not intimidate myself to the point of procrastination or just fatigue before the event even happens. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but that's what really works for me. Here's another possible reason we don't want to get to know our neighbors. Just plain old selfishness. I don't know about you, but sometimes I just am selfish and I want to protect my heart and my life from like one more relationship with more energy required to build it. Limits and boundaries in life are super good. You know I believe that. But not getting to know our neighbors at all in the long run won't be healthy for us as social social creatures, like the article was saying. I can remember the town we lived in before we moved to where we currently live. There was a little neighbor girl and it was not easy. It was not easy to be kind and like reach out to her. She was a little bit challenging to be around, but she would want to come over and play with my girls. And I knew she was kind of going through a tough time with her family. She was kind of hurting. And I just realized, you know, I can be selfish right now. And it's easier to not let her into my home and to not open up my heart. But I can be the love of God to her in a very tangible way. So I just, 
I had healthy limits because I think there were some things going on in her family that weren't good to be around, but I had good limits, but I just really checked my heart on that because I had to be like, okay, I can smile. I can be out front and the kids can play out front. Maybe you don't have them in the house, but you have cookies outside on the front porch. You know, your house could become the house where your kids' friends and neighbor kids feel welcome and safe and loved. The love and the care you show them might make all the difference as they get older and navigate life. Okay, here's another reason that you may not know your neighbors. The internet. (laughs) It may not be on purpose, like we may not be avoiding getting to know our neighbors on purpose here. So don't feel too guilty, please. (laughs) The cultural fact is with the rapid advance in technology that we've had over the last decade or so, and the prevalent use of the internet and phones and everything, like with all its convenience and features, it's now easier to stay in touch with people we care about who don't live close by. So perhaps we might be putting more of our social energy into those relationships, not the people right next door. And that's from thecut.com. So here's another cool fact for you. If you're still hesitant about getting to know your neighbors, and this is from that same article, there was a study done in 2011 by Eileen Bjornstrom at the University of Missouri, published in the journal Social Science and Medicine. She found that people who said they knew and trusted their neighbors were also more likely to report higher rates of health and well-being than those who said they did not know or trust their neighbors. Okay, so here are some tips and a takeaway for you when it comes to incorporating this concept of being friendly to our neighbors, getting to know them a little bit, and opening our homes. Do you want to be the coolest house on the block, right? Do you want to? (laughs) I know I do. Here is how. Here's the first tip. Let your kids invite a friend over. I know that sounds so basic, but it's it can be a little stressful to have someone over. It can be kind of like play dates, especially when your kids are little. It's like, yeesh, they can be oddly, oddly stressful and like not fun. But remember, take that little step. There's a huge bonus here. You get to observe and get to know the friend that your kid has and what kind of influence she is, what her personality is like. It's a great way to connect with your kids as friends and let them know you're an involved adult. You care, you know? Go beyond the concept of a play date and make it a rich time where maybe you let them bake cookies together and you're kind of there hanging out and helping and and just being with them, playing some fun music, or you play a board game together or you let them run around outside and ride bikes and stuff. Remember the days of painting your nails in your bedroom with just like a girlfriend over? I don't know. I did this all the time, like especially in middle school. It was so good. We would just chit chat. Like, who do you like? of who's your latest crush and like you just chat and I remember those times were so simple and so fun and my mom would just like knock on the door and bring a snack and we could just keep chatting doing our nails whatever and working on a little bit of homework so if your kids are older you know maybe let them have someone that they love to study with come over or a little group. I remember in high school, two of my close friends and I were in this physics group together and we would get together about once a week and study, especially before finals. And we would get these extra fun snacks. Like I remember peanut butter cups for sure, because we all liked those. And we'd study at my friend's house and then just chat and have this great time. So it just made it so much more enjoyable to prep for a test. So let your kids invite a friend over. My next tip for you is to sit out front for a whole week, at least 15 minutes a day. So sit out on your front porch, front step, whatever you have to work with in the front yard and try it for 15 minutes a day for a whole week. Notice people's patterns. It's just kind of fun too, to like notice who's driving in and out, who's home, who's gone, general habits in the morning or afternoon, and wave to the walkers, wave to the guy who's mowing your neighbor's yard, the person who brings the mail. Say hello, be brave, you know? And if you live out of town where you don't have a like next door neighbor per se, try going for a walk and just waving at your neighbors, even if they're kind of far away and they're like doing some work on the tractor or in the field or something. You still get creative, you know? But try that and you'll be surprised at what you find. 
My third tip for you is to invite someone over for yourself, like a grown-up friend, okay? For mid-morning tea or coffee or be extra brave and bold and have an entire family over for dinner. Pizza totally counts. You don't have to wait for a perfect, you know, dinner party to line up or plan something really ultra fancy. Just have someone come hang out and keep it simple. You aren't even allowed to peruse Pinterest for ideas, okay? Use your own imagination and creativity and do something that suits you. Have your kids help tidy up the main living area in the kitchen before people come. Put on a nice scent like oils or a candle, whatever you fancy. Play some fun music. I am all about the music. Always, always, always. Creates the best mood, the best feel in your house. Have your husband grab a bouquet of fresh flowers, maybe from your yard or from the store, and just relax and let yourself have so much fun. One of my Quillen's great tips for having people over is to go for semi-homemade, she calls it, meaning don't slave away and get super hot and sweaty in your kitchen all day. Like, have some great beverages, good coffee is always awesome, some pre-made snacks and foods, and make something that you're confident making, like something that won't stress you out, a dish that you've prepared a thousand times that you know is yummy, right? And don't stress. And one more side note here, if you wanna be that cool house on the block, just always have snacks. Always have snacks for the kids. And like I said, stick them out front. You don't even have to have all the neighborhood kids into your house. Stick them on the front porch, you know? Um, we've done that several times, like fresh baked cookies that we've made together or or whatever it is. Even just a bunch of granola bars or chips or, or drinks or crackers, anything they can munch on will make your house be super appealing and seem like a friendly place to hang out. I knew this friend who, um, she was kind of a mentor mom to me actually for several years, but she has a lot of kids and they're all active and busy and a large family, but they always make time, especially on weekends, to have a very open door policy in their home and have all of their kids' friends over. It was so welcoming and so fun and they always had tons of food. So that's the key, is food. <laughs> My last tip for you is to encourage face-to-face -face interaction in your home. So set healthy limits on devices like you too, not just your kids, like if your kids are older and they have their own stuff, like if you find that you are filling your social kind of love tank too much online and not feeling the absence of your friends, like, oh man, it's been like six months since I've actually hung out with my best girlfriend, then take a break. Take a break from all that media that's supposedly keeping you connected to everybody else and let yourself feel it. Like notice who you miss and give them a call or have them over. I find the Facebook illusion is that you feel so connected and updated all the time with all your friends and family that you forget you need to see them and actually speak with them and laugh with them or cry with them or whatever it is. Hear stories about what they're doing in real life, not just see the online version. Okay, so along these same lines, I hope these tips were helpful for you, but along these same lines, I wanted to share a few of my favorite things when it comes to having people over. So for being hospitable, getting to know your neighbors, you can never go wrong creating a great mood with music, like I said earlier. And you can just really boost the atmosphere with um, in, in friendly conversation with flowers and candles, a personal favorite that like as we move fully into the fall is anything that has that apple scent so good it's just so comforting and it just shouts like fall is here to me okay well i have one more segment for you today and that is a bumblebee moment so basically what that is is just noticing that our kids can be super funny and really random things can happen at home so if you have a moment like this to share which many of you have please go to sundayafternoonmama.com and just click on share a bumblebee moment and it'll direct you to a really easy page to send me your story you can also direct message me on Instagram or Facebook. All right, so my moment, 
<laughs> I'm so funny about words and like what's considered a bad word. So I'm just going to spell this one, even though it's not really officially a terrible word, but oh, this is so great. So someone at my husband's work gave him some fresh crab, right? Some crab meat. So we were like, Ooh, what can we make with this? So we were like, we can make crab dip. We can make crab cakes. And so we're talking about crab, 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 like all this stuff with crab. And <laughs> I don't know if you know where this is going. Uh, my my six-year-old daughter was listening to us and we we're like, yeah, let's make some crab dip. It'll be so good. We can use these chips and these crackers and this bread with it, blah, 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 blah. We're just chatting all about the crab stuff. And she's like, why would you want to make C-R-A-P dip? <laughs> we're like, oh, <laughs> well, it's actually crab. <laughs> but it sounded so funny to hear her say that like, what is that? Like, and she said it just like matter of factly. C-R-I-P, D-I-P. So great. So yeah, kids are awesome. And they say the cutest things they didn't even know they were saying, right? If you have a story like that, like I said, please send it my way. Apparently when I was younger, uh, we were at a McDonald's one time with this other family and the little boy taught me a bad word, like a very naughty word, way more than C-R-A-P. And he's, he's like whispered it to me and I was like trying to spell it. He's like spelling it. He's like, do you know what this spells? And I said it really loud because I was like, oh yeah, I'm a good speller. I'm going to say it out loud. And my parents were like horrified. <laughs> That's kind of how I felt. It was like a milder version of that with our six-year-old. She was so innocent, but it was awesome. Okay, well, that wraps up this week's episode of Sunday Afternoon Mama. Could you do me a little favor and screenshot when you are listening to this episode and post it on your social media so that other people can see and hear that this is a great show that you really enjoy. Be sure to tune in next week. And please, if you love this show, keep telling your friends and family so they can check it out too. And like I said, share it on your social media. Even good old-fashioned word of mouth is just one of the best ways to spread the news. Come visit sundayafternoonmama.com and follow me on Instagram and Facebook. I will be back with you next week. In the meantime, I'm seeking joy and peace with you so that we can be better mamas together. Take a deep breath and smile. You've got this. Bye for now, sweet friends. Thank you.